Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. If you are enjoying the show, and I hope you are, I wanted to mention our Patreon because that is the best thing that you can do to support the show if you are so inclined. Patrons get access to every podcast a week early without any of the ads. There's also members-only channels in the Discord that I am super active in. I do Q&As, I do some giveaways, and for everyone who has asked, there's also a way to have me review your music or artwork or anything else that you would like to get my eyes or ears on. Every month, I do a call for submissions on Patreon. You post your work in the comments, and then I will review it live on Twitch and then post them to YouTube for everybody on Patreon as well. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, there's a link to that in the show notes for this podcast. JT from Era. What's up? Thank you very much for making it to the stream and uh, chatting with us. I appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm going to ask the awkward question first. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Because everyone will want to know. Did you see my review? Of course. (laughs) I did. Okay. I commented on it. You didn't even comment back. I was so salty. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Maybe I I must not have seen it. I apologize. It's because it's under my name's Joseph is my real my real name. Oh, okay. But my face okay. is there. It's the uh, 2022 goal. Make Finn like one of our songs. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. I, I must not have seen that. No, no it's, I, it's, it's not that I don't like it. Here, before you even start. Yeah, I had no idea that you're going to get blasted by our our fan base, and I I kind of feel bad. It's okay, but dude, so what's funny is um I saw that video and I was like, damn, I wish he liked it. Like I I I wasn't phased. I know how it is. Like I tour with bands all the time. I don't even listen to to their music. You know, of course not. You could you could still like people and uh not like you know yeah the music, and then. I didn't even notice that there was like a, a follow-up video and I was like, damn, I felt I got I did actually feel bad. <laughs> and then you addressed like so many good points in the video. So I, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, oh sure. Great. Yeah, I would love to. You know, because as I've said, so basically give you a bunch who, of credit. <laughs> so for for anybody who is not familiar with what we're talking about, I did a reaction or review of their song nigh to silence and uh what basically i said was like this song is good but uh you know i think that they could push themselves and do something a little bit different that was my feedback on it but you know i didn't say it sucked or anything because i don't think it sucks and the band is clearly very good but that was my feedback uh the fans were not happy about that they didn't like it um which is okay they don't you know, just the same as I don't have to, you know, I, I put my opinion out there and people can think what they want to think about it. Um, but that was my take on it. And it's important to me that anything that I say in a video is something that I would be comfortable saying to the person's face as though they were sitting next to me. Yeah, of course. So that's how I think about it. That's where we're at. And yeah, I would love to hear what you think. I don't want you to blow smoke up my ass. You know, like I want, I want, you, I want people to keep it real. Like, and the honesty part is, you know, very important. 
And this honestly goes back to what you address like in the other videos, like you have an opportunity to be two different types of channels. You can be the channel that just kind of does click farming when you just kind of do the popular stuff or you create an identity for yourself. Like you don't have to like everything. And it, it's it's dishonest to your fan base to uh, pretend like to like everything. The one thing I do have the biggest bone to pick with is that you put Salt the Wound as an E tier ban on your deathcore list. <laughs> that ban is amazing. <laughs> yes, but as I said, E tier is really the A tier and the S tier is really the E tier. Cause like, if you think back to those, like the MySpace years, it's those kind of like random semi shitty yes. local bands that you really remember. Can you, can you honestly say that salt, the wound or Molotov solution are like all time great bands? No, but you love them. <laughs> yeah. Like I was readdressing some of like barrier dead's old albums. I'm like, God, these recordings are trash, but the yeah. songs are so good. There's always something to like to find in the love and the things that other people would like consider just dog shit, but who cares? Recon, another great example of that. Dude, Recon's so good. So good. Uh, what's the uh, re- something city? Vile city? Uh, uh, Vipers. Viper Welcome city. to Viper City. Yeah, dude. Oh my yeah. God. Demolisher is my personal favorite. Yeah, I saw that. Never. And Jerome. And Jerome. Actually, I saw Jerome on that list. I don't I don't really remember that band. I saw Rose Funeral on there. That was, that was cool to see. Uh-huh. I was like, damn. Yeah, I was definitely I was definitely a deathcore kid, and like the right when all that shit was really hot. With those old Fruity Loops drums, dude. The 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 T-shirts at Hot Topic, obscene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh the most God. important part of MySpace deathcore. Yeah, the obscene slogans. The oh, yeah. the, the salt the wound one is definitely the best. Yeah, I mean, if you read their lyrics, it is. <laughs> it is rough. <laughs> I you know I've never read them, but I believe you. It's they're fun. It's like uh, it's it's like. We're not really trying to learn much from here. We're just trying to like have a good time type of lyrics. Right. Yeah. Nobody nobody reads Salt the Wound lyrics because they think they're going to be smarter for it. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Sometimes you just want to mosh. Yeah. I thought about coming in here with like a persona and just be like, so I see my minions have done my bidding. <laughs> my greatest enemy, Finn. Well, it's interesting. You know, to my knowledge... I don't know of too many artists that get upset with me because I, I try to be fair. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there's times where I go too far. And, and if I do, then I apologize. That's never my intention. But fans do get upset. So tell me about that. Like, how does it? Let me first ask you that question. I mean, your fans fucking love era. <laughs> I, I don't know. And which is great. I mean, that means you're doing something right. Why do you think that is that people are so passionate about your band? Ah. <sighs> I mean, I'm definitely grateful. I said this actually. I, I did a. I've crammed a bunch of interviews until like the last two days because I've been just ignoring my emails, like uh, the great artist that I am. The um, so something I said earlier was uh, I think we do a good job of trying to stay like normal people and trying to create like an environment where we're accessible and we're not too different from you. Like we don't ever want to like we don't ever want to feel like you're not worth our time of day. Like we're very grateful for everybody that we meet, um, all the nice things people have said about us and, and do for us. So we, we try to like keep that in check. And, um, like, I know this sounds like cheesy, but like we, we really do it for them. So we try to keep that. Yeah. We like, as chat says, we, we try to stay down to earth. We're normal ass people. We know we're not, we're not trying to be rock stars. We're not trying to like flex on anybody or any of that shit. We're just, we're, we're here to enjoy our jobs. We love, we love what we do. We love making music. Um, we try to stay as like 
Like I'm always at here with everybody. Like it's never like a disproportion. I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. Maybe they see, they can sense that. Like we're definitely not like a, a shtick, a shtick, is that the term? Or a gimmicky band or like just normal metalcore dudes um, trying to make music, trying to have a good time. Other than that, I, I don't know, man. Like I'm 32, like I feel disconnected as ever. <laughs> I don't get a lot of the things that happen. Well, I mean, there's definitely something that definitely something there. I think people who are fans of your genre, which, you know, we'll call it progressive metalcore or whatever. Um, you know, the people who are into that stuff are really, 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 really into it. And I, I think that there's something there, you know, you could take a band like, uh, like Godsmack sells a fucking absurd amount of records, right? Like they have like eight, platinum albums or something crazy like that damn yeah look it up it's ridiculous they're like massive i I like god smack yeah they're they're a good band or shine down like gigantic but have you ever met anyone in your life that's like a god smack fan (laughs) (laughs) right at a walmart (laughs) yeah i mean so it's kind of like it, it, it's interesting how there's, you know, these genres like what we'll call, uh, you know, we'll call it butt rock where the audience is huge, but, but nobody, you know, is obsessed with Godsmack. I mean, I'm sure there's some weirdo mm-hmm. out there that's got a tattoo of Sully on their chest, you know, or something. It's like, that's <laughs> my boy. It's my man. I'm going to show him this someday. Uh, and then on the other hand, there's genres like yours, which is a lot smaller, but the people who are into that stuff just fucking live and die for it. Yeah. I think they want they feel like super connected to it because it's small and like niche and they they don't want it to be like bastardized or adulterated by like the general population. And I think that's why they're they feel so connected to it because they feel like it's more accessible to them because it's like small and and um the community is like smaller or something like that. Right. Well, I, I want to make sure we talk about the uh, album because uh, you know we gotta we gotta promote. <laughs> cool. So I have some questions about it too. So so you you have the deluxe album coming out soon. What can you tell us about that? So it's uh, the twelve original tracks from the self titled plus seven new songs. One of them is a, a an additional version of one of the self titled tracks, which is Vanished Canvas that features Courtney Laplante from Spirit Box, and then we did six additional songs. Three are originals and three are covers and all of that comes out on march 18th i think through unfd got it and we've we rolled out uh the stockholm syndrome cover yesterday or was that today is that yesterday i think it was yesterday well the deluxe edition thing has gotten a little bit more traction in the rock world lately you know the mm-hmm. people in rap have been doing it for a while what led you to do that versus putting these songs out as an ep or whatever else you could have done i'm not really sure why we chose to do the deluxe over <laughs> the ep that's actually that might be a better question for like connor or uh jesse in the band but i will say this we went once we found out how everything was like being delayed still and quarantine was just kind of putting a damper on everything still, we didn't we didn't know our timeline for anything. I mean, the self-titled record got pushed back six months. It was supposed to come out September of 2019. Was that because of vinyl or? No, it's because of COVID. Yeah, COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we recorded the self-titled March of 2020. The last day of the studio, we like the next day, like we were finding out like within the last three days of the studio that this pandemic was like becoming a wide problem. Yeah. March was like right before it all popped off. Yeah. The last day of the studio uh, was the last day that they had like real bands in there, like doing full full time. And now that studio is gone. And in the uh, press release, you talked about kind of making the most of mm-hmm. the downtime. And I, I, and 
tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, but I feel like the bands that sort of tried to wait it out and pretend like things were going to go back to normal took a hit, but the bands that said, all right, we don't know when this is going to be over. We're going to make the most out of this. I feel like they had a lot of success. And I, I do feel like the last two years, you guys really leveled up. Do you agree with that? Yeah. The th- one thing that we did do that I think made the biggest difference. I mean, I'm very proud of the music that we wrote. And I, I think it's our best work, but you know, the fans will decide. We made sure to address a lot of other things that I feel like we were lacking. And that with that came like a new logo. We got uh, a bunch of new people on our team to kind of take care of like the the uh, bigger, like perceived to be bigger band stuff. So we got like um, selected color palettes, just more of like the creative and artsy side. We like we dove way harder in than we ever have before. And we try to create kind of like a, um, a universe around the music that accompanies the music to kind of give it more of an identity, which is, I feel like, something we always lacked. Again, like it'll be up for the listener and the fan base to kind of de- uh, decide if that's effective or not. But I, I really like what we're doing and it helps us, it makes it easier to kind of like know what to select to for future things when we're making like ad mats and merch ideas and, and like what type of artistic uh, liberties we should or shouldn't take when we're uh, making stuff for the band. So I think that's helped kind of steer some directions in that regard. How are you making those decisions now versus how you did it before? Well, just with more like scrutiny, really, just like a higher standard. Is this like a step up? Like we're trying not to be, and it's like a super saturated market. We got to do everything we can to not stand out. Like there's a lot of really good metalcore bands that sound similar to us. So if we can do any small thing, it is to like make a difference to like gain another fan, whether it's one or two or, or, or hundreds, uh, I'm going to try my best to do so, you know? It's interesting. You know, I mean, that's how you would hope every artist is in the studio, but it's interesting that they don't always hold themselves to that same standard with the rest of it. And maybe because they don't think, maybe because they think that the music is the only thing that should matter, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you see them just kind of, churn out these generic ad mats with kind of half-assed merch. And it's like, well, why would it, I mean, especially in metalcore, some of these bands like Silent Planet and stuff are really fucking good at that stuff now. Yeah. And it's like, why would anyone buy your mediocre merch? Not, not you specifically, but you know, your hypothetical bands merch <laughs> when there's people like Silent Planet out there putting out this fantastic product. There's the side where I feel like they'll buy anything just to support them because they love them. But then there's also the side where like you have to think like a business like there is, you know, I'm I'm 32. So there's certain things like when when TikTok came out, I was like, ain't no way I'm getting on that or like, God, like another social media that I have to keep up with. But like, it's so important, as you know, like you have to do all these procedures and things like like you have to create your thumbnails for all your videos. You have to you have to create sub content from Twitch to make on your other channels like there's a shitload of work that's involved. And if you disregard all what looks like, like unimportant things that you're just missing out on opportunities to uh, expand your business. And once you kind of treat your band like that, you realize that you're missing out on a lot of things. And I think that was one of the things that were like, was the perspective that was kind of placed on us. Like, all right, we're making better music, but like, what else are we missing? Like others, are there things that we could be doing that we're, that we're not doing? And uh, I feel like we're definitely, I feel like we're doing a good job of that. And I like would like to stay on that track, but definitely putting the ceiling on us is something we don't want to do. 
you know, we got to stay creative. We got to think of ways to like be different. We like, we release singles. Um, instead of like talking about the song, we just put out the tabs and we let people figure out what the song mm. was going to be just by the tabs. So like little ideas, well, that's interesting. Like, yeah. Little ideas like that. I feel like make a big difference and I don't know, it seems to be working. I'm not mad about it. That's such a particularly smart idea for your band because you know, you got to figure that I didn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it may not be your idea, but I think it's a yeah. good one because you got to figure that for your band, a huge percentage of your fans are guitarists, mm -hmm. you know, so that's the sort of thing, you know, could Drake, you know, couldn't do that. No, um, right. but, you know, a band like yours can do that and it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a really cool way of sort of showing your fans that you understand who they are too. Sure. You know, that you guys are guitar nerds that write weird sexual comments on Misha's Instagram when he posts his new signature guitar. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Um, yeah, so like, I don't know. They, I mean, the, they, the fans teach us stuff too. Like, there's so many things that I think are going to be dumb or not going to work, and like they're super effective. And you know, I, I need the perspective too sometimes. Like, I'm, I, I do the best I can to try to try to stay connected and understand how things kind of work and operate. But it's really the experience that dictates uh, how it really goes. Yeah, it's you know, I, I do the same thing, and it's, uh, it's, it's a new day every day. Mm -hmm. You know, what worked. Yesterday, no guarantee that's going to work tomorrow. I mean, think right. about how many bands built their fan base on MySpace or Facebook and really fell off because they clearly didn't adapt to the next thing. Right. You know, and it is exhausting. And and I know people wish that you lived in a world where you, all you needed to do was make music and then, you know, uh, everything else would fall into place. That would be cool, but that's not the world we live in. You know, you got to be a creator. You got to be a marketer, you got to be a publicist, you got to be all those things. You can't just sit in your room and play guitar and hope that everything's going to come together. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's overwhelming. <laughs> it is, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I know. You got to wake up and eat your Wheaties and drink your caffeine, I guess. Yeah. And get it done. You've been doing the press thing for a couple of days. And uh, I mean, even that's tiring, you know, especially because most interviews, unlike this one, which is a great interview, uh, <laughs> most is. interviews most interviews, you know, they ask you the same questions and you can tell they've never really listened to the band or, you know, there's a lot of them like that. And it's, it's tiring. And obviously it's better than having a real job, but you know, even just sitting there and talking to people on zoom for a few hours a day is tiring. Yeah. I mean, Elden ring came out today. I could be playing Elden ring. <laughs> <laughs> could be getting frustrated and throwing your fucking control. Yeah, that's absolutely what's about to happen tonight. <laughs> yeah. I I've never gotten into those games because well, you don't hate your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't hate myself. I know that I would just get pissed off and frustrated by it. Uh, I respect it, but I know that I wouldn't enjoy it. See, that's that's the model. You respect it, but you don't have to like it. It's a weird thing for people. It's like, I don't understand that part of music fandom of like, if you say anything that isn't just pure, unadulterated, gushing praise, then that means you're quote unquote shitting on it. Uh, and people are going to attack you. It's such a strange thing. I mean, if I don't, I was honestly excited to get on here with you because I actually, I don't know you and I, I already like you and I, and I like your content. But if I did interviews and I talk with like, you know, people that do like media journalism or, or whatever it is, and they're constantly just praising and they're not like, they're not testing me as a person. They're, they're not testing me as an artist. I'm never going to learn anything. Um, and it's also never going to be a teaching moment for me. You know, if, if it's like always the same thing over and over, I can't, I can't like gain anything new from that. And like you said, the shit gets exhausting. It's like the same thing over and over. If I get a spicy Thursday night, I'm all in. 
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I forget who said it, but somebody told me a long time ago when I was just kind of starting to get some traction on YouTube, they told me, don't listen to all the negative comments, but don't listen to all the positive ones either. True. Because there's going to be people that are going to tell you that you're great and everything you do is perfect and wonderful and they're wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and, and tell, tell yourself how it is. Yeah, and it's tough. And you got to learn who to listen to and who not to listen to. Yeah. You know, I I think of the way that I communicate to people the same way that like a producer would because my, uh, you know, my quote unquote day job is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Nail the Mix, but like that's, I'm, I'm part of that. Really? So we've actually worked with, yeah, we worked with, I'm one of the partners in that. So we've worked with Carson and Grant no before. Shit. A couple times. Yes. Oh my God, I love them so much. Well, who were the guys that recorded this your your latest stuff so when you go into the studio with those guys they're not going to tell you that your first performance was great if it wasn't great no 
and I trust them to definitely tell me when it's not good enough. Yeah. And you might, you might be frustrated and pissed off and tired and you really just want to fucking call it a day because you don't feel like you have another take in you, but they're not going to let you go home until they get the take. We call that boot camp. I'm, I'm all, I love the boot camp because like it again, it gives you an opportunity to improve on yourself and you're always your own worst enemy. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have people in your corner that are going to be like real with you and tell you like that you can do better because it's it's better for you in the long run. And everybody needs coaches. Everyone needs to be pushed. Like think about Olympic athletes. These are some of the most driven people on the fucking planet. Mm-hmm. They have coaches too. Yep. Because even they need someone saying, I think you can do one more set. I think you got that in you. And they're, you know, and then, and they might not think it, but you just like, you might not think you had one more take in you, but then you do the take and you're like, okay, I guess I did have it in me. They were right. And I think that's a valuable function everyone needs to learn in life. And I find that frustrating. Like the frustrating part to me is not like, I don't give a fuck if people think I suck and like, whatever that it doesn't matter to me. I'm frustrated because it's an annoying part of like society to me that people can't handle criticism. Yeah. Especially when it's not even about something they made. Like you didn't make the goddamn record. <laughs> You're not allowed to like be offended by this. It's not your fucking music. Yeah. And they feel like it's their music. And I get that. And like, that's cool. I understand that. But you got to be able to learn to take criticism, especially when it's not even about something you made. Yeah. There's always an opportunity to learn something from those from those moments too. Like, um, and it's, it's, a, it's perspective too. Cause like, <sighs> If you get you got five people telling you you're making great shit, but if if you don't have any of the negative criticism, you're not going to know what to like improve on either. You can be your own worst critic, but if you don't have outside voices like thinking differently for you, you're not going to learn a damn thing. So that's why I mean Jesse and I butt heads in the beginning when we're creating, but like we thrive now together because we've learned how like we are totally different people when it comes to tastes and preferences. Um, so like I. I just try to approach those opportunities like a like a, a grown up, <laughs> or I try to, mm-hmm. and try to learn from them. You know, I, I want to be the best I can at all times in all regards of my life. So like, I'm I'm going to use every opportunity I can as a learning experience. What kind of stuff did you butt heads about? Um, well, I'm like, I'm a sucker for like heavy breakdowns, and I'm like the classic core kid. I was a form lurker. I love like finding the unknown bands on YouTube. Uh, I love a lot of core bands. I'm like fans of most of the bands we tour with. Jesse, who's the primary songwriter, likes like coffee shop uh, music and like country and 90s rock. Okay. And he's got me into a lot of the stuff that he likes too. Uh, but it's also been nice because like we, it's a fusion of both worlds. But in the beginning, when you're trying to like figure out personalities and how to record together and how to write together, um, you know, it, it doesn't always work nice in the beginning. Cause like you got, it's hard to leave pride at the door sometimes. Cause you're, we're trying to make the best content, but like if there's opportunities where you feel like you're underutilized or there's an opportunity for you to do something that you want to do, but it may not be like the best choice and you just want to fight them for it. It's hard to like give in. Um, but you kind of just got to trust the process. Thankfully we've gotten to a point where like, I know his strength, he knows mine. We know how to work together, it's super efficient. And it's like really enjoyable now. It's such a great thing when you can learn to trust someone who has really different sensibilities than you, you know, that you're like, what you just said sounds crazy to me, Yeah, but I'm going to go with it because you never steered us wrong in the past. And like, that's such a great thing because 
you know, then there's someone who you can rely on to do something that you can't. Mm -hmm. And that's when the best stuff happens. Like one of, one of the other business partners, he's more of a, like, I'm more of a sort of low risk kind of person. I like to sort of play it safe and just like, I'm, I'm more about let's focus on a, a small number of things, but execute really well on those. And he likes taking kind of big risks. And uh, there's been many times over the years where at first he would propose these things and I thought it was stupid. That'll never work. That's crazy. No one would want that. Um, but we did it and it did work out. And now I've realized, okay, this is good. He, he can help me to, to, and by the same token, there's times where I said, this is never going to work and it didn't. And I was right. Um, <laughs> but we've learned now to sort of respect that. If, if I say, Hey man, I think this, I think we're biting off more than we can chew. He'll listen to me. And, uh, and I've learned that he can help me push out of my comfort zone and take risks that, um, that I might not be comfortable with, but should be taken. Yeah. Again, that's like, that's definitely a leaving pride at the door thing. It's like, like it's when it's, it's hard to like decipher, like what's the right choice when you feel like it's only down to somebody's opinion, but, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta make that, you gotta make the effort and you gotta, you have to fail before you realize that there's more opportunity, um, at stake, you know? So you're the one you, you come to practice and you're like, listen, I was uh, listening to the top 10 Bermuda breakdowns <laughs> from 2008. Great van. <laughs> Hell yeah. We got to do something like that. He's Dude. Like, I was thinking more like Casey Musgraves. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, yeah. Like I'm like, Oh, what if we do this here? And there's been plenty of times where he's like, we're never doing that <laughs> ever. And I'm just like, Oh, mm. but yeah, we, you know, it's funny, like when you join a band, you like it's speed dating for friendship. Like you don't know, mm -hmm. you have no idea what those per people are going to be like to live with all the time. But uh, eventually, they just become. And you are you're living with them in a fucking van. Yeah, they're your family. Like wh whether you like them or not, unless you guys are in a bus. I don't know. We're but... getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Buses are expensive. They are exactly. Metalcore makes some money, but not. <laughs> it's all. There's always more to be made. Well, and it's like you. Even if you can't afford it, do you want to put that money in the pocket of right. the bus company every day, or would you rather kind of tough it out in a van and come home with that money in your pocket? I would be in a van my whole life if uh, if I could choose. But well, we're gonna we're running a space where if we as we grow, we get more crew, and that's really what it comes down to. It's just expanding, so you can have your whole camp with you. Right. Well, speaking of tour, you guys are going out soon with Beartooth, Silverstein, and the Devil Wears Prado. So this is your first mm -hmm. tour in probably two years, right? No, we did a August Burns Red tour in the fall. Oh, you did? Okay. For like six or it was ABR, Fit for a King, us, and um, like Moss of Flames. Got it. Okay, so your second tour in a while. Do you feel like you shook the rust off on the, on the ABR run or are you still kind of, yeah, you did. Okay. So you're feeling good about this one. When we first got in there, I was like, well, a, it had been two years since I've been on stage. So I felt like I was relearning <laughs> everything. And then at yeah. the same time we were doing our most popular songs and, uh, you know, our, the things we're most proud of. So like it felt like definitely more pressure, but it ended up being fine. And then I'm now singing, which I like, was super nervous to do and I still feel like I have so much room for improvement. So yeah, like I'm I'm very hard on myself. So and I and I I know how long people waited for those songs to come out and then eventually see them live. So I'm like, fuck, this has got to be amazing or else they're never gonna come see us again. Right. Yeah. I mean more of that. So that's cool. And I do hope eventually we can start to like interact with our fans because there was a lot of like restrictions still. Like we couldn't we waited all this time to put this music out and we can't even talk to anybody about it. It really sucks. I'm not that like to feed my ego, but like 
I want to know like if it's working, you know? Sure. Well, yeah. And it's just more fun when you get to see people, you know, yeah, now it makes it's like me my feel friends better. are starting to come through town again. And I'm like, oh, cool. And they're like, yeah, but we can't hang out. I know. Like, oh, there was a lot oh, of that. All right. Do you know, are you, do you know what the situation is going to be on the Beartooth tour yet? It'll be up to the headliner on the second half of the tour. There was like live nation restrictions. So any of the venues that are live nation, they'll have their own, but then it's, it's really up to the tour. I'm assuming they will be relatively smart about it and um, impose something, some sort of like tour isolation or just like general rule of thumb. We had to postpone a week of shows during the ABR tour and we were stranded in Colorado Springs for like 10 days Oof. and we lost a lot of money because of that. So we're hoping, sure. hoping to avoid that. Yeah, the bubble stuff sucks shit, but at the same time, the alternative exactly. is canceling exactly. dates and that's yeah. way worse. So we kind of got to eat shit for a little bit longer and I'm used to it at this point. I'm, I'm fine with it. it the alternative is not not worth it. So whatever we have to do to get through a successful tour again, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, studio stuff since we have worked with Carson and Grant and they're fantastic. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about specifically working with them and kind of what you like to love about uh, that experience? Well, I don't know if you know this, but before ERA, I was in a Lancaster band called Texas in July and they were banned from... Oh, no, I didn't know. Okay, so you, you probably know those guys from way back then. So I joined Texas in July in 2013, and I did just their last record with them, Blood Work, which, oh, okay. was, which was done with Carson and Grant. So they were the first time I was really with professional producers. So to come back there like several years later with a whole different band was so cool to me. I, I love full circle shit like that. Yeah, I learned so much from them in that experience in 2014 when that happened. I love how like small world it can it can feel sometimes, and to so to bring back Era, who I'm you know very happy to be part of and very proud of, and connect them with uh, another part of my life or another good memory and like introduce like a part of my family to another part of my family was really right. cool. I love those guys. They're awesome to work with. Those are the guys that hold you accountable to do great. And that's why I like them. Yeah. But they're so chill as humans. Yeah. They're not, you know, there's some of those just ball buster asshole producers that, you know, it's like, yeah, they might get a great take out of you, but it's, you don't, it's not enjoyable. You know? <laughs> I've cried. I've definitely cried in the studio and it wasn't, it wasn't their fault. It was like, it was an opportunity to like, you know, do better. And it just wasn't coming out. And I uh, was like, oh God, this trash content's going to be on this forever. I'm trash. Oh, <laughs> you got to suck it up. Got to do it. You got to do it for the greater good. I don't know. Yeah. You've recorded with quite a few people, I'm sure. What in your mind makes a great producer? Like if you could like Frankenstein together, the ideal producer, what characteristics would that person have? And like, how do they interact with you in the studio? Well, I'm very talkative, annoying even at times. So I like people that can deal with me, first of all. <laughs> Carson's a pretty goofy guy, and so is Grant. So like, there's a lot of giggling that happens with it in the studio. So basically, the overall mindset is probably the most important to me. Like, We're there to like like kick some ass and like write some cool shit, but um, being able to be comfortable um, and being, you know, I want to be pushed, but I also want to be like confidently put. I don't want to be pushed like, like a like a drill sergeant. I want to be pushed like, I like I'm your friend, and I know what you're capable of, and I know you can be great, and I want to see that from you. And that's what that's what mm -hmm. motivates me at least. Um, having a comfortable environment, close coffee shop to walk to because we're coffee snobs. Uh, yeah, and uh, definitely somebody that's passionate about your project. You can you definitely don't want to be in a studio where they're like 
only there to record you for a paycheck. But thankfully, we haven't seemed to deal with that yet. Or when you pay for them, but you get their assistant. Yeah, that happened to us once. <laughs> Happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a little bit of a... A little bit of bait and switch there. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, I don't, I don't know if you would be able to comment on this, but I had no idea that the band was from Birmingham originally, Birmingham, yeah. Alabama, mm-hmm. which is, I, I don't know of any other bands from Birmingham. I'm sure there's someone, but I, I don't know of any. I think Gideon's maybe Alabama or uh, Daniel's from Missouri, maybe, okay. or Mississippi. He's from Mississippi. Yeah, even lower tier than Alabama. <laughs> Not an education, though. Now, are you from Alabama? Okay, here's the funny part. I moved down there, and I lived there for five years. But I just moved back to uh, Maryland, where I live now, in uh, July. So I'm back home. Got it. Good riddance. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the, what's interesting to me is that it's it's proof that you can make it from anywhere, because I think there's sort of this idea. I mean, and, you know, Lancaster, PA, same thing. I mean, that's fucking Amish country. There's, like, people, people probably hear you know, that August Burns Red is from there and they think that there's cool shit there and there's not, there's nothing there. <laughs> um, and I'm very interested in, you know, people who are doing cool shit from uncool places. I mean, we have, you know, Alex and Sean still live there. I moved down there and then I moved back. Our bass player, Connor, lives in Oxford, PA, which is like uh, an hour from Baltimore where I live. And then Jesse actually moved to LA. He went from Birmingham to Nashville to LA. So we actually don't even really need to have Birmingham as home base. We still rep Birmingham for sure. <laughs> it's a comment. It's like, I like Birmingham. I like Birmingham too. It was the other part of Alabama that has nothing to do with what we're talking about that made me want to leave. Birmingham's like a college town, right? Yeah, UAB. I mean, Birmingham's fine. It's the rest of Alabama that's rough. And it's like, I mean, people know how it is. It's the, it's the deep south. So right. it's not for everybody. Um no, uh, it's it's. I didn't have the worst time, but like I was, I was definitely happy to come home. Right, right. Well, to I mean Baltimore, you know. <laughs> Are you from I, Baltimore? Uh no, I've never lived in the city. This is my first time being a, a true city boy. I was a, a suburbia guy forever. I, I've spent a decent amount of time in Baltimore. Where are you originally from? Uh, just a, a county south of here, Anne Arundel County. I lived uh, kind of all over. I spent a lot of time living in Annapolis, uh, the capital. Okay. I worked, uh, did a lot of boat, boat and like marina work, some pool work. Um, throughout the years. Well, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Frostburg. Uh, really? Wait, Western, why? Western. My ex-girlfriend is from there. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I would go out there for like family, you know, events and stuff like that. She grew up with uh, Brendan from Circuit Survive, who's from out there also. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so nice. I didn't know that. Go to Thanksgiving with him and stuff back in the day. And I saw you uh, mention Abacab on that at last too. So it's, it was, that's right. Yeah. It's a Tyler Green. I, I saw a lot of Tyler Green um, when I first started doing like, be, or being involved in like uh, this, this scene. It's kind of cool. Are they from Maryland or Virginia? I think Virginia, but there was a, there's a venue uh, in Springfield that was called uh, Jack's that became Empire, which is, and that's even now gone. Uh, but like when I first doing started to go to shows and being involved like in the touring scene, that was a I saw him a lot. He worked for Out of Loop Management. Oh, okay. Yeah, the good old days, the glory days. Yeah. Well, and so now you're you know one of these distributed bands. It feels like that's a pretty common thing these days. Of you know the band members live all over the country and and you make it work. What are the keys to making that kind of an arrangement work for you? Planning your flights before the last week for sure. We're a very involved band. We 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 do a lot of we try to self manage the best we can. We we have a massive team and awesome uh, managers and dedicated people. But if we can do anything ourselves, 
and try to become more self-sufficient, you know, it saves money and we get more out of it anyways. We're just more involved, more, more ear to the street type of vibe. Right. Thankfully, as the band grows, it allows us to live where we want and be happy. That was like a big reason why I moved. I just, I wasn't happy in Birmingham and I wanted to, I wanted to go back home. There was a time in quarantine where I was like, am I just missing out on years like of my parents still being alive that I, that I don't know about? Like I, I would, I would hate to come back a year later and realize like my parents are now sick and I spent most of my time being away from them. I think that's just something that happened as right. I got, got older. Um, but yeah, you got to just, it's all planning. Um, a lot of Excel spreadsheets and uh, shared Google calendars to make everything work. Guys, stay organized. That's right. Yeah. Musicians, uh, worst nightmares hearing you got to stay organized. They go, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm very organized. I'm super anal retentive. So I'm, I'm totally about it. Yeah. I would not function without my calendar. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I will, uh, I'll let you go because I got another interview here in 20 minutes uh, that I got to get set up for. But any words of wisdom or closing thoughts or whatever you want to leave the people with before I let you go? Leave it alone. <laughs> No, I mean, I think what you're doing is great. Uh, I love, I love uh, this new wave of like reactions and like, I mean, I think the best thing that came out of quarantine was people were, like, kind of got back in, in on the internet and started to like listen to music again. And I feel like throughout quarantine, people were just the numbers for streaming just skyrocketed. Everybody, everybody like grew. Like, I, I think this is even something that you said as the as one thing thrives and people are supported, like everybody kind of comes up with it. So as long as things are being talked about and discussed and opinions are shared, I don't care if they're good or bad. I think it should happen regardless. Cool. Well, I appreciate your support. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, keep it up. And uh, hopefully we'll cross paths once you uh, come through Seattle or Portland one of these days. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I'd love to. Cool. Well, I will talk to you then. And uh, thanks again. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, 
We think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of Gray Street.